This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich, and today's episode is called Why Success Depends on Saying What You Mean and Meaning What You Say. My guest today is Barry Kleiman. Barry is a dedicated husband, father, and grandfather who's also a basketball coach turned social entrepreneur. He spent decades in the trenches of executive search and executive development, and he's now an authority and advocate for truth-based interviewing. Barry is the author of the upcoming book, Successful Interviewing. Over five-plus decades in the career success and job search business, Barry observed that too many people are unable to say what they mean during human interactions. As a result, their messaging changes like the weather, which drags them off brand, undermines their integrity, and challenges their sanity. Barry is on a mission to fix that. We're going to discuss how to fix that. Barry Kleiman, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Thank you, Tom. I, I'm actually sitting here listening to you saying, geez, I should have an infomercial with Tom as my guy. Ah. You know, but, but but wait, there's more. Uh, <laughs> but wait, <laughs> there you, is more. You. There is a lot more to Harry Kleiman. And, you know, you, you've been a basketball coach. We've traded uh, stories about sports and, and people we admire and people we know and all of these sorts of things. And when somebody hears that word interviewing, the first image that often will come to mind is a uh, sportscaster or a newscaster with a microphone in hand, sticking it in front of some celebrity or some athlete and saying, uh, tell me this, answer this, uh, so on and so forth. That's not what you're talking about when you're talking about interviewing. Define for us what you mean by interviewing. I mean, I think there's a thank you. There's, there's, of course, a number of definitions, but the way I write about it in the book and, and what I try to impress upon people is at the end of the day, interviews are just conversations between two people. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if you can grok that, <laughs> if you can get that into your, your, you know, the core of your soul, immediately you'll be a better interviewer because you will be able to turn what I say, uh, what seem to be sometimes interrogations mm-hmm. you know, into conversations. I mean, yeah. you know, you're right. I spent decades in it, um, helping people with it in my, in my job search business. And I just try to always demystify it. It's just a conversation. And yeah. anyway, so that's my, that's my long answer. I guess it's a conversation between people. Yeah, and and you use the term "you'll be a better inter- interviewer," and I guess my question would be: when two people are having a conversation, 
are both of them interviewers or is there an interviewer and an interviewee and uh or at some point do you switch are you interviewer and interviewee at the sure. same time or in the same conversation how do you define uh, those terms interview? yeah it's great i mean and again this is um my my one of my assistants calls it Barry Kleiman 101. Um, <laughs> you know, the I mean, if you can make interviews, conversations, then I, I don't think there is a defined side of the desk. Clearly, mm -hmm. clearly, if you're walking into a job interview, not a sports interview, I've never had somebody put a mic. This is as close as I've come to somebody putting a mic in my face <laughs> and says, Hey, coach, tell me about. But um Granted, you're interviewing for a job often in the context that you and I are talking about, and, and actually there's another part of this, but of course you need to do your level best to answer the questions that are put in front of you. And of course, truth-based is my, what I believe in. I, you know, I have another book, How the Truth Will Set You and Your Career Free. It needs to be truth-based, but you're also... On the other side of the desk, um, sitting there making sure that what you are hearing, either by the tenor of the questions, uh, by the uh, by the the whole atmosphere of the thing. I think I told you a story before, Tom. I, I I had a client years ago who, when you came to his office for an interview, he would have his back to you, throwing a softball up against the wall, trying to kind of intimidate or whatever it was. I I, I told clients, you know, if it were me. I walk around the desk, grab the ball in the air and say, we can play catch together. Um, yeah. And that's that's not a lie. Um, if anybody who knows me from back in those days saw this, they would know that's true. So I think it's both ways. And if you can, if you can, again, build that into your soul and understand that, that is really what it is, you know, then you're going to be more successful as soon as you become subservient as it were again you you are there to provide ad value and we're going to mm -hmm. get to how in a minute i know because you're your doctor story <laughs> and and so forth but um so anyway long-winded but i think it goes both ways yeah and i i love that softball story that's uh, true because uh, be, right and and it's such a great metaphor for what you're talking about that that so often conversations are not collaborative activities it's it's one person sort of half in the conversation half out half paying attention half not tossing a softball against a wall but what you're saying is that really a great conversation is give take toss the ball back and forth everybody is part of the same game everybody has a common purpose and, and i i just love that I love that metaphor. Yeah. Now, well, one would hope everybody has a common purpose, right, Tom? I mean, that, again, that's the goal. Yeah, you know, both sides. So, anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Or, or, or maybe the 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 purpose is, uh, or part of the goal is to find that common purpose because Absolutely. a lot of conversations begin where common purpose is not necessarily understood or achieved. And it's so analogous to the work that I do as a marketer that, that what we are often doing as marketers is trying to put ourselves in the shoes of our prospects and understand what their needs are, 
listen to them, have a conversation with them, and then find that common purpose. Because only if there is common purpose does the relationship really turn into a fruitful and meaningful one. I have something that will enable you to achieve that purpose. We are in, we are in concert together. We're working together. We're providing mutual value together. And that's the ideal for when you're marketing and, and the stories that you look for are based on that. Absolutely. So, um, just a yeah, quick context, ahead. Tom and I met in a marketing group. That's true. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and, and the other book I wrote, this is a, a career success job search sanity book. It's got 12 chapters. Four are about marketing because the job search is marketing to your point. Exactly. Right? And and yep. so anyway, go, go ahead. I, but it's true. And I just want to be clear with everybody. That's how we met. So go, go, go ahead. Tom. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the sort of foundational premise here that I mentioned when I introduced you is that in your experience, all these decades working in job search and, and executive training and so on and so forth, you run into so many people who have the inability, as you put it, to say what they mean. Yep. So tell us a story uh, that brings that home and then, and then share with us why it is so critical to develop what what I think your positioning is a skill that a lot of us don't have. Say what you mean. Yeah. Talk uh, tell, talk to us a little bit about that. And, and I mean, yeah, it, <laughs> I, there are so many stories. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that um, where I would go with this, you know, because we have a finite amount of time, mm -hmm. you know, where I would go with this is this. Um, and, and let's go back, if you will, to story. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, we, we, we talk about people, I instruct people to do what I have called write a win statement for mm -hmm. themselves. Win stands for what's important now. Mm -hmm. You know, um, today's whatever today is the 16th, maybe of December, whenever this is. And I don't even know today's date, you know, <laughs> but anyway, where, wherever we are, you know, my priorities, what's important now for me today is quite different than it might have been what was five years ago, right? And and whatever. And so what what I try to tell people to do is have this this win statement up to date, what's important now, and get your top priority on the top of that list and why is it important. And then you can know the positioning of your interviewing. Otherwise, if you don't know that anyway, you stop valuing your own time. And then you get into what I call, you know, the Google trap. You prep for an interview by going on Google and looking up the 12 most asked interview questions or the 26 best answers. I don't want to curse. It's a family show, but it's a crock, right? And, and mm -hmm. so all of a sudden you get caught in some formulamatic um, um, dialogue and you're really trying to represent your own life. So um, and, and the stories that I have with this are countless because my job has been to literally arm wrestle with 95% of my clients to say, what about you? What yeah. do you want to happen? You know, um, I, I talk about in, in, in this program I'm building, you know, this is for you by you. What do you want to happen? And when you know that, um, you can then start to think about what questions matter and how you want to answer things and what you're looking for from the other questions. Yeah. 
you know, Barry, I, I know you're a father and a grandfather, but this is a 20 hour a week job. How do you feel about that? Oh, mm-hmm. I'll do it, you know, because that's what it says in Google. So right. I don't have a specific answer, Tom. I hope that helps. But that's no, that's, I think that I, I think that helps a lot. And I think what you know, what you're describing here is what many people might just call authenticity, being being true to yourself. Yes, sir. And when you talk about people not saying what they mean, I think what they're doing is they're saying what they think think the other person wants to hear or saying what represents the uh, story they uh, the myth they want to present about themselves. Uh, They say whatever it is to gain the upper hand or to achieve some outcome or some win. And they aren't really saying what they mean and and so they're the the guy tossing the softball against the wall exactly i mean it it drive it drove me to write this upcoming book right and and um um look there's a bigger model i can get into it philosophically i i, I call it educational malpractice mm-hmm. because you know i've done a lot of speaking at, at schools i just looked at an old thing i did speaking down at ucla and and the and the institutional model right educational model and ucla is a great school my son went there i'm down the street from cal berkeley but i came to realize that their real role is butts and seats mm-hmm. right which is to say that bring you in, we're Cal, we're UCLA, and, and, and all of these schools, right? And what you're going to learn here, you know, the, 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 the thing is enough to um, have you rule the world. Mm-hmm. When in reality, they never talk about the stuff that you talk about, you know, the story part, and, and, and make sure that you're on brand. Otherwise, you know, what did Stephen Covey say? Most people spend their whole life trying to climb the ladder of success only to find it's up against the wrong wall. so you know because that's what they were told i i I met a kid in one of these classes and said i you know i don't need to hear this i already have a job at bain and i that's great get back to me in five years and tell me if bain is what you want it you know but ucla is proud or whoever god i hope i don't get hate mail (laughs) but um (laughs) but their job is to get the person into bain sure there's no, there's no tail on that model, mm-hmm. right? Because then they get to, you know, they get to bring your son or my son. My son actually went to UCLA, but he, he's a he's a filmmaking guy. But um, so anyway, so I think you get caught in this malpractice and 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 the idea of authenticity. It's funny you brought that word. Uh, this mm-hmm. book is in in here about a dozen times. It talks about consistent authenticity. Mm-hmm. That's the game. And yet we're not telling people that. And that's why um, most people spend their whole lives trying to climb the ladder of success only to find it's up against the wrong wall because they allow themselves to get Googleized or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then when you said this, that one word is in the book, I wonder if the word vulnerability is in the book. I've not yet read it, but I think we're what we're we're both men. Uh, we're, we're both men in positions of some privilege and, and what I've come to discover about myself is that for so many years in conversations where I felt vulnerable, 
I would never say it. And, and those were flawed conversations and those were failed, uh, probably failed conversations. And, and I'm curious if that's part of the work that you're doing, uh, looking at, uh, especially men, I think it's a, a thing. That I think that's a fair with. comment. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I haven't walked a mile in a woman's shoes, so I can't comment on it, but I would agree with you. Um, it's interesting you said this. So is the word vulnerability in the book? I'm not sure as it the word, but the premise is all over the book. And, and a, mm-hmm. a quick example, um, I've been doing, um, I, I built a course for my nonprofit, the fifth quarter project. And what I decided to do, and, and you'll appreciate this because we're in the same marketing group, I decided to give the whole thing away. And so mm-hmm. each day uh, for the past I don't know when I started. My Giving Tuesday or one of those those faux holidays that we're all involved in. I start to post um, vignettes from the program, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, one of them I posted was vulnerability. I said, "Look, back in two thousand one, after twenty plus years in the um, in the search business, I went broke." Mm-hmm. And um, and I told the story about going broke, and I was scared crapless. You know, I I really was. I had a house, I had teenage kids, and you know, wife, and and, and fortunately, I still have all that. But I was petrified. Mm-hmm. But for me, the vulnerability and the honesty got me past it. But anyway, I wrote about this in a public forum. For it is mm-hmm. in the, this book, but I also wrote. You can look it up on LinkedIn. And um, a friend wrote to me said that was kind of a gutsy post. I said to him, look, that's the truth, right? And and if 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 you can model what you're trying to say, you know, with your own behavior, you know, then maybe somebody gets it a little bit more as opposed to some, you know, um, you know, omnipotent, holier than thou, I never made a mistake, guru. Hell, you know, screw that. I mean, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I don't know if I'm answering, but I don't know if the, that's in the book, the word, but the story is. So, yeah. And it, it, you absolutely have answered the question. And I'm thinking of a conversation I had yesterday with a, uh, another coach wow. and we, he, in the course of the conversation shared an insight and he prefaced that insight by noting that he learned this from his coach. Yep. And, and I jumped on that and I said, forget the insight people, listeners, viewers, forget the insight. Let's zero in on the fact that he said, I learned this from my coach. This guy has all sorts of authority. He's a top dog in his wow. field, well-respected, uh, thought leader, huge following. And he just told all of you that he has a coach. That's cool. And that's that's an expression of honesty and vulnerability. And then I shared with him that for a long time, long after I started investing in my own coaches, I thought, oh, well, I can't talk about that because that might suggest that I need help or that I'm vulnerable. And so in conversations, you know, I'm, I'm what, what I would be doing is positioning myself as an authority, which, which I am. And I was in those days, but not really always sharing the whole picture or, or saying what I meant at all times, 
because I wanted to present as the flawless authority, the the guy who didn't need help. And it was, you know, you were being careful of your language. I'll just say it. It was bullshit. Bullshit. Okay. And and um, this is really what you're talking about. It is a hundred percent. And again, to me, it's educational malpractice because, you know, we're all you went to Yale. I went to Penn State, but none of them talk about this, you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and I've been I mean, I, I think I told you when we first started, I, I had LinkedIn before there was LinkedIn. My my ACT database had like 8,200 names in it. That mm-hmm. was my job, which is to say I've talked to a ton of people, but nobody ever talked about that was their training in school. In fact, like I said, we arm wrestled about it. That's mm-hmm. why I wrote this book, How the Truth Will Set You and Your Career Free. Somebody said, what's the truth, Barry? I said, it's what you are when you look in the mirror in the morning. I mean, right. don't be afraid you know, to be honest, and and the person on the other side, if um, if they view that as a weakness, then that's the wrong person, right? Because because they're full of it, right? And right. like you know, and, and so, but again, it, because you learn it in school, and because your degree is so hard earned, and 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 so forth, you tend to want to buy all into that, and and it was never taught to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, vulnerability is 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 we're all human. Yeah. Gosh darn, you know, we're, <laughs> we're all human. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, and whether it's a, whether we're talking about vulnerability or talking about something else, the bottom line of what you're talking about is that human connection and successful conversations and, and relationship building yes, happens when we as human beings say what we mean, not say what we, what Google said what Google said, what we think the other person needs to say, what our uh, uh, persona that we're trying to project is supposed to be. Authenticity. Sure. Say what you mean. Be real. It, it That leads to, to real human connection. And I think it's important work that you're doing and thank, thank you bringing that forward. So uh, Barry, coaching, being a basketball coach, can you talk a little bit about the how that has shaped you as a person uh, in in just your broader life, but also how it shaped your philosophy and your success as a business person? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it it certainly has. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, maybe the first part of that is um, so when I was eighteen. The only thing I ever knew I wanted to do was teach and coach. You know, I'm a product mm-hmm. of a Philadelphia playground. I, again, I may have said this to you before. I'm 72 today. When I was 71, I used to say I'm a 71-year-old kid with a, seven, a 17-year-old brain. You know, uh-huh. I, I still viewed myself as that kid in the playground, right? Yeah. But but back then and back in those days, that was a very um, – um, that was a path that a lot of people took. Uh, yeah. And certainly one that I wanted to be on genuinely. But then when I got out of school, uh, you could get a draft deferment for being a teacher because uh, Vietnam War was going on. And so many people who didn't want to teach went into it because they get out of the draft. And I, you know, I couldn't. And believe it or not, there were no teaching jobs when I got mm-hmm. out of school. And it's crazy to look, but it's true. So I I had a horrible college counselor. Again, why I do some of the work I do now. But long story short, um, I never got into it until I was 48 years old. Wow. I read a book. 
And I said to myself, since you said this is a not necessarily a family show, because I, I quote unquote said to myself, I'm a shitty father because I had not exposed my kids to interscholastic sports, even though, you know, I'm a product of a Philly playground. And um, I read this book called In These Girls, Hope is a Muscle. It's a much longer story, but I went and found it. I asked the head of a school across the street if they wanted to, you know, if they were interested in a basketball program. And the, and the head of school honestly didn't know if the ball was blown up or stuffed. But, <laughs> but, but she said, sure, but I don't think you'll ever get more than, you know, 10 kids to come out and you'll never get the parents to take the kids out of school to play. Well, first day we had 40 kids show up and the second mm. year, it's just all true. We won a league championship or undefeated. And, and it, it obviously changed the trajectory of, of, of my own truths as it mm. were. Uh, but it also, you know, had great messaging and, and, and um, changed, I guess a little bit my positioning in in the world, or certainly in this sphere where I was operating, because at some point somebody said, "Well, you're just a recruiter," and now I was a recruiter, but you know, also now a coach. And then you know, you start to relate to people differently, you know, and people look at you differently, and they talk to you, have different conversations with you, um, and you know, along the way, look, um, I have this adage: coaching is finding a way in. That's mm. what I believe. I'm not a yeller. I'm demonstrative on the sidelines, but I don't I don't yell at players. I, I don't think mm -hmm. I've dropped one F-bomb, you know, maybe one in, in all the years I've done it. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I you just try to talk to people and communicate with people in a way that they will get it, you know, find a way in. The message to you might be different than the message to somebody else. But, you know, that that's the goal, because to your point, it's really about connection. Right, Tom? Yep. I mean, life is about connection. I, I, you know, I'm like Brian, a, a gentleman who runs our group. I hate the word networking. Mm -hmm. You know, I wrote a blog once. Networking is the devil's language. Mm -hmm. Connecting. Look, uh, you know, quick story. You know, I don't know how much time we have, but you and I connected. Mm -hmm. We're in the same group, right? But right. we weren't so much connected, but we got into a breakout room one day. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, we were like, old pals, you know, this, this connection. And so coaching, I think teaches you that if you're, if you're doing it for the right reasons, which is mm -hmm. to, you know, to use the game as a vehicle. Yep. And, 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 and so that's really what I've done. And, and I'm grateful. I've been 20 years later, invited to weddings and bar mitzvahs and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and brisses. And I was just in LA a couple of weeks ago to a wedding a kid played for me 20 some years ago, uh, but I think it always, it's, it's amazing, but I don't know if I answered your question, but it it just it's more of the same, right? Yeah. It's 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 connection with people, and it certainly helped this career, right? Because people's you know someone's son mm -hmm. plays, someone watch my kid play, and it just broadens your 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 perch and and, and talking points. Mm -hmm. And it was also, um, you know, look, I got to travel the world. I'd never traveled and I got asked to coach a national team. And the next year I was in England and Amsterdam, Germany. Mm. I mean, there's just so much I could say, but we have limited time. But I, does that answer your question? I hope. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And that that phrase that you use, find a way in, is a guiding principle, whether you're coaching a team of, of high school or middle school girls, That's whether you are a business coach or life coach, whether you are a, 
corporate executive, whether you're a parent, uh, find a way in. And and that's it, it's so applicable to all aspects of, of business in your broader life. And there are so many lessons. I mean, when I think about the books that I read, to help me with my mindset and my own personal development and my own business skills. People like John Wooden and other uh, coaches, you have a a stack of books behind you that are sports related. And, you know, again, uh, there are all sorts of, of sources that you can draw from for your own inspiration, your own personal development. It, it, it doesn't have to be sports if no. sports don't interest you, but sports and coaching and all of these things are great extensions and metaphors for the principles that we're talking about. And so it all makes sense to me that uh, your life as a coach has led you to this place where you're talking about the things that you're talking about. Yeah, it, it's interesting. We'll just end one quick anecdote. Two days ago, I was sitting with a new client. And we're talking about some new guy makes a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And um, but he's complaining about that he's not making enough of a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this and the book. And I said, look, what's the most important thing right now? And like mm-hmm. the top, 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 top. What's the most important thing? Well, I need to turn this guy around. I said, no, no. The most important thing is you're here today and you have a chance to play mm-hmm. what could be more what's more important than having a chance to play yeah I, sports analogy but you get it yeah. right a chance to yeah. be in the game whatever that game is and mm-hmm. and, and that is a metaphor but it, it 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 crosses every everything right if you're an executive you have a chance to work today you have a chance to be better right uh, you know whatever it is so to your point I use it, you know, those metaphors, because I guess somehow I'm attracted to a lot of sports people, but even people are not into it. They, they get it because a chance to play is, 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 I think pretty much everybody gets. So I, uh, I rarely, rarely do this. Uh, In fact, I can't think of a single time I've done this, but I'm going to pull up one of my past emails, uh, blog posts. Um, and, um, uh, let me find this because here it is. Because what you just said reminded me mm. so much of it. And so uh, the headline is the mindset you need to build a gold medal business. Headline, mm. subject line, the mindset you need to build a gold medal business. And this was from uh, earlier this year, February of 2022. You're and here's what I wrote. Me, I hope. Pardon me? You're going to send this to me when we're done, I hope. I will send it to you and I'll uh, post a link to it in the show notes for those oh, listening perfect. or watching. Even better. Even and, better. and here's what I said. Last night, I stayed up late to watch women's Olympic hockey, the gold medal match between the USA and Canada. Canada won three to two, powered by two goals from Captain Marie-Philippe Poulain. This was Poulain's fourth Olympic gold medal game. She's the only hockey player ever, women or man, women woman or man, to score four, to score, pardon me, in four Olympic gold medal games. She has scored 17 goals in her Olympic career, seven in gold medal games. Talk about stepping up. Okay. During the game, 
the NBC broadcasters Kenny Albert and AJ Malesko discussed how Poulin plays best when the stakes are highest. Malesko said, quote, she treats pressure as a privilege. Yeah. I love that. First, the word treats. All of us encounter pressure. All of us face stress. All of us have a choice. Do we succumb to it? Let it act upon us? Let it hold us back? Let it shake our focus? Or do we control it? Treat it as we wish? Draw motivation from it? Let it fuel us? Really, it is a choice. Now the word privilege, and Barry, this is where uh, I connect the dots with what you just said. For Poulan and her teammates, the pressure is on because it's a big game, a championship match. What an opportunity to be there. What a privilege to play. If you view it as a privilege, the pressure is not a burden. It's the price of admission to enter the, the arena, to play in the big game, to pursue the opportunity, to have the privilege. For us in business, it's the same. We have strategies to devise, tactics to implement, reports to generate, presentations to design, and emails to write. Pressure and stress come with the territory. We can succumb, wallow, complain, freeze, give up, or we can do as Poulan does. It's a choice. That work we do, it's an opportunity to move the needle for the business, to raise the tide for coworkers, to serve clients who benefit from your products and services. You're in the arena. You're playing the game. It's a privilege. If you choose to embrace the opportunity and treat pressure as a privilege, you're far more likely to build a gold medal business. So it's, it's exactly that, what that, you were that, saying that, before. That's great. I mean, uh, uh, you know, quick, just a quick anecdote. Uh, I mean, two really. So I think I told you my nephew is a PGA Tour golfer. You know, yeah, yeah. Max Homa. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I have pictures of me holding Max when he's this big and, and whatever. Yeah. But we used to sit and talk about it with his dad. That quote, you know, he's got this, he's got to make this cut or, you know, but pressure is a privilege, right? And, yeah. and it is to be in that. And, and Max is really has um, optimized, you know, his privilege, you know, he's just done a great job and it was not a straight line. You know, he's, I, I did an interview with him, you know, for a mm-hmm. fifth quarter project and anyway, but it is a privilege. Right. And, and um, I had a team once where we were getting our butt kicked and I called a timeout and it was our first game in this event. And I said, raise your hand if you're happy to be here. This privilege. Mm. Right. And uh, one kid, our best player didn't raise his hand. And I took him out. I love it. And he says, your hand, if you're happy to be here, he he came back to me and he said, I'm ready to go back in. I said, I don't care if you're ready to go back in. I want to know when you're happy to be here. Yeah. These are the lessons, right? And he, he, he got pissed and he walked away, but he finally came back and said, coach, I'm happy to be here. This true story. 10 years later, I got this kid a job at a school coaching because I happened to know the head coach. And I said to him, I'm not going to mention his name. <laughs> I said, you just remember how happy you need to be here and keep, you know, keep that in mind because this mm-hmm. is, you know, a privilege. So I think it is true. But again, Tom, I think um, it's hard, right? Because this, 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 everybody stand in front of a Rolls Royce or, you know, they have their 8 million TikTok follow or whatever it is. And, you know, you lose focus um, uh, of what really matters. Right. You know, and so mm-hmm. forth. And so it gets hard, but it's still, you know, people like you and I, um, 
I don't mean to put myself on any sort of pedestal, but you know, people who are talking about these messages, I think are important and people, the ideas to overcome the gravity of all the other messages that are out there. Yep. Um, I'm yep. going to use that as a quick segue because I know we, ha- we don't have a lot of time. Um, this is a lot about story. So I try to explain to people that one of the great ways to, um, to say what you mean and mean what you say and all that is I, I tell people all the time and I've done it for years is, you know, before you walk into an interview, go through every line item of your resume and tell me a little story, have a story in your brain Mm -hmm. that would connect to that line item just Mm -hmm. to bring a tangibility as opposed to it's just, we saved uh, 20% on the operate. Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) You know, but you are um, a storyteller. That that's the, that's the, in some ways, it's the core of my business, but it's not viewed as such. And, and that's one of the reasons I was excited to be on this, because yep. tell me, tell me with with the guideline that I just laid out, right? You know, for every line item on your resume, tell me a story. How would you frame if you were standing up in front of a class at Yale, Tom went to Yale and you're, <laughs> they, they brought you in and yep. they said, Tom, talk to us about um, how to tell our stories in brief vignettes, let's say line item of a resume. Could you give us any sort of framework? And again, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but this is your milieu and, and I think it'll be really helpful. Yeah. You know, it, it, um, I, I can, and it speaks to one of the principles that underlies story power marketing, sure. which is keep it simple. That's Great. there are three core principles for story power marketing. One of which is keep it simple. And that leads to the simple framework for generating stories that we teach here at Story Power Marketing, which is what we call the three E framework. So if you're doing it for marketing purposes, um, we talk about empathize, envision, and enable. So it's about looking outward at your prospects and who they are and what they need and what makes them tick. And so number one, empathize, put yourself in their shoes. Where are they? What are they feeling? What do they need? What, um, what frustrations are they suffering Envision What's on the other side of the mountain? Where do they want to go, need to go, desire to go? And, and in some cases, when you're marketing a product or service, they may not know, they may not understand the opportunity on the other side of the mountain. And finally, enable, how does your product or service enable the journey from before to after? So the simplicity part is really what we're talking about with stories are descriptions of a journey from before to after. And it's usually an emotional journey from fear to security, from frustration to relief, from stuck to moving forward. And so the product or the service is simply the bridge that has enabled the journey. And you can think of items on a resume as nothing more than a product or or a service or a feature. Something happened here. I did something, I achieved something, but that achievement is only meaningful if it reflects some journey that the company took, that you took, that your coworkers took, that your clients or customers experienced as a result of that work. And if there's not that bigger meaning, then maybe it's not something to 
be bragging about on the on the resume. But if you can evoke in a simple way, all right, I, I I'm not coming up with a good hypothetical here, but you know, fix some report or generated sure. blah 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 blah. And um, what was the before for you, the company, your clients, or whatever? Sure. What was the after that resulted from that thing? And there's a story in describing that journey. Sure. I, I'm going to just say this. I mean, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about it and um, it's a great model, right? Empathize, envision, enable. So if you're clever, right? Mm-hmm. You're a job seeker and you're clever and you read the job description. Yeah. And you say, you know, Mr. Interview, I saw in the job description that you're looking for somebody who can X, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's able to do this. Um, you know, I would tell you a story about when I was you know, back here in this company and we had a huge deadline to meet. And so it was really frustrating. And yes, we wound up saving 20% of the, you know, but the way we did it was the really interesting part. And so you're, the clue is say in the job description, because they wrote about it. Right. And, and you're saying, we right. don't know, but if you're clever, you know, you're not searching for mystery without any clues, as Bob Seeger said, you're, <laughs> you're you're actually those are your clues. And then if you again, if you take the time to build not BS, but build your story framework of what you did and try to make it anecdotal to something yep. that you saw on the resume, would that would that would that qualify as a as a model? Yeah, absolutely. And and what what you were talking about just then was you're going into the job description and the job description is uh you want you want to try to distill the meaning from that job description where is the employer today yep where does the employer want to go tomorrow they're filling a position for a purpose and yep. a well crafted job description is evoking the journey that the company wishes to take or the department that's hiring wishes to take. And so from there, you can, you can take an anecdote from your own experience or that's, that's implied in your resume and share that story. And that goes to a huge principle that we often share in, in um, story power marketing. And by the way, Barry, this is very interesting because this conversation that we've uh, we're having is great and rich. And now you've become the interviewer and I've become the interviewee. Well, and I think that's awesome. Well, thank you. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. that's the idea. And you're right. Yeah. I thought about it when I was saying that to you and for, yeah. anybody, you know, I mean, but that is the essence of it, right? Because we're, we're having share, a great conversation. We're, we're sharing, yeah. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and so um, back to what I would, back yes, to what sir, I was please. saying, the, um, I interviewed my, uh, or excuse me, I interrupted myself there. Go figure. <laughs> the <laughs> um, uh, now I've lost my train of thought. But what I was saying is is the the employer is evoking a certain journey in a well written job description. You have stories in your past that might be connected to some dot in your resume. Whatever stories you tell about yourself whether you're in a job interview, whether you're doing it for marketing purposes, if you tell stories about yourself, they're meaningful only to the extent 
that they're relevant to the journeys that your subject or the person uh, listening, yes. um, um, that they're relevant to them and their journey. And so this idea of looking at the job description, finding the journeys that the company or the department or the employer wants to take, and then say, oh yeah, in my previous job, you see that line item about this thing that I did here's the journey. Oh, well, that's sort of the journey that we want to take. Now you're in business. And this is the point, right? Yeah. This is successful interviewing, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and again, it, it's um, so no, I, I mean, I actually love this framework. I will rip you off for it. You know, and, you know <laughs> you're welcome to you do know, that. Moving you're forward. You're welcome and, to do that. And, yeah, hey, so, Barry, I yes. want to, I want to ask you one question because you made reference to it and I want to ask you about this. And we didn't mention this in your, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in your introduction, sure. the fifth quarter project. Tell us briefly about the yeah. fifth quarter project. Cause I think it's super cool. Wow. Um, well, basically, so the fifth quarter is, is um, you know, I've coached a bunch of basketball in my life, and, and uh, I'm an old man now, and I've, I've worked with a lot of people in my life, uh, uh, you know. So, you know, as it related to um, sports, I would get calls constantly from college coaches who knew me as, you know, a guy who found people jobs and also knew me as, you know, high school basketball coach, you know, I mean, Berkeley high where I was at the time was, you know, it's a pretty prominent program. Anyway, long story short, I would get a lot of calls from coaches. Hey, Barry, could you help so-and-so get a job? Mm-hmm. So-and-so was a, was a, a young person on a team who was, um, they weren't going to make their living, um, say in the NBA, NFL, doesn't matter, right? But in, in pro sports, and certainly not for any scalable period of time. And, you know, it, it's a hard lesson because, you know, um, when you're young, you know, you're not thinking too much about that kind of stuff. And so you lose sight of class and, and, and things of this nature. So I kept getting calls and calls. And I finally, you know, called up the, the main uh, person who was asking me a bunch. And I said, you know, and how many how many of these and I use the gentleman's I'll call him Keith were there, you know, uh, Avatar Keith, the, the guy. And he said, well, there's thousands. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, it was a little devastating, honestly, Tom, mm-hmm. no, no kidding. I mean, um, because, you know, because I've worked with a lot of young people and they're, you know, so many of them are great, you know, but but um back to educational malpractice, right? The, the, the system is really not always built for them to succeed for any number of reasons. I mean, I was a crappy student and I don't think I'm dumb, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it's not one size fits all. Coaching is finding a way in, right? How do I yep. teach something to Tom that I, you know, Barry wouldn't get and vice versa. Anyway, right. so I just decided that there needed to be something done. And so I took my, my, knowledge of all the years, you know, uh, behind the headhunting desk and, and my knowledge of being able to communicate with younger people on the bench. And like I said, I'm still invited to, you know, to, you know, weddings and bar mitzvahs and, 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 and come watch my team play. Cause now these kids are coaches. Um, I took that knowledge and, and whatever you want to call it, skill acumen. I don't know what the right word is. Um, and I put together this program called the Fifth Quarter Project, which is a 100% no fee ever to anybody who comes through program to teach them 
a crash course on how to get from where they are to where they want to be. Mm. They, they, um, they don't, no money is ever asked, but they do need to apply because, you know, mm. I like to say to people, Tom, I can't help everybody, but I can help anybody. <laughs> right. And, but you got to want help. I'm not Sigmund Freud, but I, you know, I, I have some chops in this area and, and that's what I've been sharing lately on, uh, on LinkedIn and Facebook. I, like I told you, I just decided while I'm building it out in a formal program and getting whatever Kartra or whatever these, these tools are to house courses, I decided to lay it all out on LinkedIn. And so basically what it is, is a continuing education program. And, um, um, there's a line in the Springsteen song. He says, we learn more from a three minute record than we ever learned in school. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so this is the fifth quarter project is a three minute record, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's longer than three minutes, but you know, it yeah. is everything you didn't learn in school, including so much of what you and I just talked about, yeah. which is your ability to promote yourself, market yourself, tell your story, be authentic. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable and then how to do it and how to tell stories. That's really what it is. And I've sat with people. I think I told you, I mean, I've had, I have other people sit in and, and do podcasts with me, authors, speakers, coaches, they share their journey. Yeah. Not just me, some old dude talking, you know, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> former players. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, anyway, so that's what it is. And and um, it's my passion project, Tom, yeah. and, and it's a, it's a lot of work, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm resolute, you know, to do it. And um, anyway, that that's what it is. I appreciate you asking because it is important yeah. to me, but I didn't want to make this an infomercial for a fifth quarter project. No, 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 no. All good. You know, Barry, you, uh, you are not just some old person. You are an extraordinary guy. You have remarkable insight and I want people listening or watching to find a way to connect with you. So tell us oh, wow. where people can go sure. to find Barry Kleiman, to connect with you, to learn more about what you do. And, you know, and you said you don't want this to be an infomercial, but, but there are things that you do aside from selling the book that you're about to yes. Right. Share with us a little bit about the services that, sure. that you offer and how people can connect with you. Um, so thank you. Um, I don't do a lot of headhunting anymore. I am involved in one search right now because the right person came to me and asked me to do it. It's a local nonprofit and they need a C-level person. And I've done so much work with them on the other side. I, I've taught some of their graduates. I've, I've been in team building meetings with them. So I said, look, I, I will do it because you know me and I know you and I, and I know what you're looking for in the culture. Mm -hmm. So we've cut through some of the clutter that you might otherwise come through. But, you know, I, so it's really random two or three a year. What I've dedicated my life to now is certainly the fifth quarter project, but also to work with um, a finite number of people who really want help. And, mm -hmm. and and help meaning, you know, they had the whatever you want to call it, Tom, the humility, the the vulnerability I, it was a great word um, and, and want to be authentic and want to be who they are. And, 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 I hate to use the word teach, but, you know, I actually hate the word coach, um, but, you know, listen and, and, and maybe provide some question of framework mm -hmm. that will, um, what's that Khalil Gibran, the, the, this, the teacher, if indeed wise, will lead the student to the doorstep of mm -hmm. their own mind mm -hmm. or something like that. That's really what my work is about now. So it's consulting. Um, and, and I do some group work. I'm, I'm actually looking to now go speak at high schools, local high schools and junior mm -hmm. colleges. 
-hmm. mostly about interviewing because I really think at the end of the day, um, so just one quick story. I, I tell it in the book. So there was a scene in a London tube. It's a true story uh, written by the BBC. Some guy um, he tweets, uh, karma, awkward. The guy who just cursed me out this morning uh, on the tube uh, just showed up my office up at my office for an interview. And I guess mm-hmm. the story is that some somebody tripped over somebody's foot and, and um, the guy who tripped, you know, MF the guy and, you know, whatever. And he just blah, blah, blah. And this is at nine o'clock in the morning. Well, five o'clock that night, the guy who was doing all the cursing showed up at the office of the guy who cursed out. And that's on the BBC. (laughs) This is not Barry making some stuff up. So I have this adage. We're almost always interviewing. Yep. That that's yep. just my belief. I I could I I met a gentleman yesterday who, who reached out to me on LinkedIn this morning. It was so cute. He was an inspector on my solar project. Oh wow! I never met the guy before in my life, and this morning yeah. he reached out to me, Barry, because we connected and talked. So I think that that's what my message at this point, honestly, mm-hmm. Tom, in my life, mm-hmm. and I think that's the biggest value I could add. Of people want to talk to me about it, I, Barry at the Fifth Quarter Project is how you might. Um, you could put it in the notes um, if you yep. want. Um, but uh, my 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 kind of main corporate, if you were Barry at bckassociates.com, that's my business business, not my nonprofit. Um, yeah. And uh, I look, I'd be honored to help anybody. I, I'm, I'm, it's Christmas time, you know, Hanukkah time. I'm giving away copies of this. Uh, so, so you want to put that, I'll, I'll send you a link. Um you know, my adage, if you go on my BarryKleiman.com website, the homepage says share the ball. That, that's what I think this yep. is about. And it might sound tacky, but anybody who knows me knows it, it's true. And that's why I've taught the game. And that's why I coach the game. And that's my life's belief. And yep. so that's a long answer to it. But I, I'm happy to share. And, and, um, and, and uh, you know, but, but you want people to pay attention and, and um, that that's kind of the hardest part is to break down some of the prevailing, you know, you're a marketer, right? I mean, it's really hard to get people. Um, what does Carlton say? There's a guy named John Carlton, who I'm sure, you know, and, you know, but John mm-hmm. has a great saying. He said, you know, you have to get people out of uh, uh, what is, as opposed to what they want things to be like, mm-hmm. you have to explain to people the reality, what, as opposed to what they like it to be. Mm-hmm. And this is a hard job, right? You know, right. so, but, but that's it for all of us, right? Because I'm a marketer too. I'm just trying to market people. Really, I'm marketing people to themselves is really mm-hmm. what, it's honestly what I'm yeah, doing. I love so, that idea. Yeah. Anyway, so I hope that helps. And, and, and again, I can't thank you enough. It's a real treat to uh, be on here and talk about this stuff. And, and well, uh, well, Barry, when, when we planned this conversation, I told you that I wasn't going to come with a scripted set of questions because I was confident that this thing would find its way. And here we are an hour later, and wow. it has found its way. This was a fabulous conversation. I want to do it again sometime in 2023. Uh, I want to repeat the websites, the fifthquarterproject.org. Yes, sir. And Barry Kleiman. Com. These will be in the show notes if you're listening right. or you're watching. Sure. Uh, it's storypowermarketing.show, storypowermarketing.show, where you'll find the details of this episode, show notes, all that kind of good stuff. And also show notes will appear on uh, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Barry Kleiman, what a great pleasure it was to have you here. Thank Thanks you. to all of you for listening. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please 
Give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your favorite podcast and check us out at storypowermarketing.show for the podcast and storypowermarketing.com where you can get free resources, sign up for the email list and so forth. So thank you again, Barry. Thanks all for watching and listening and we'll see you down the road. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you, Tom. listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 